0: Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the U.S. economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hey there, welcome back. It's Mike here on the podcast. And um, hey, we're going to call this one No Man's Land. Scary, right? The earliest occurrence of No Man's Land, in quotes, found in print anyway, was in the form of no man's land, from the middle of the 14th century, it was a sense of a, quote, piece of uninhabited and unowned land, a desolate place, unquote. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, no man's land was often used as a place of specific place, often just beyond some boundary or between two known established boundaries, say between two towns, Early on, it was used to reference a piece of ground just outside the north wall of the city of London, England, designated as, as a place to execute condemned criminals. The use of no man's land to mean, quote, the terrain between two opposing, usually entrenched armies, was popularized during World War I, but this military sense dates back to at least 1864. The phrase has since been used in more general sense of forbidden area since at least 1926. Today, no man's land for investors and referencing all-time highs in the markets is more a sense of the space between the known fears of the past and the unknowable future. That dark, scary space in our minds called the future. When you plaster that space with media hype flooding our horizon, and far too many experts providing an ample dose of opinion, you get the innate sense of high-altitude sickness. It's that feeling of not wanting to put too much pressure on your next footstep ahead, like a trap door will surely open to swallow us all up. What am I speaking of? Of course, the all-time new highs reached yesterday in the stock market. Ladies and gentlemen, it's 1982 all over again. I made it a purpose to ring a few people yesterday to see just how they felt about the Dow and the S&P trading into an all-time high in the middle of all this bad news. I swear it felt like I was 22 again. Not a single person had anything good to say. No one. Not wonderful, fantastic, not elated, not a smile on their face. Not a joy in their voice's tone. The closest I got was this, and I'm quoting here, Well, Mike, I I guess we're going to see what happens next. Unquote. It quickly took me back to when I was 22. I had this equally eerie feeling that I had gone back in time. Even today, many seem to be mentally anchored in the past. The trade range structure we have noticed over the last 21 years, the cap on the market was heralded in with the collapse in energy as the fears of an earnings recession rang out from the rooftops. That cap ended yesterday, and hence our arrival in no man's land. That space between the devil we know, the past, all those fears, and the unknown, which we, of course, now fear even as we have lived it all of our lives. Here's the point. We've had many of these. We've had many of these events in the past, decades in the past, all marred by events which were surely terrible at the time, insurmountable indeed for many in the population. Alas, all of the periods in the past we made through. We made it through each of those previous no man's land points in time. As one will see if they look at those times, lengthy flat spots in the markets are not new. The good news, far more often than not, they have just been passing time. Lots of chop, lots of angst, lots of fear, lots of what if, lots of going nowhere, and a lot of chop in between before rising again, importantly for many years following the pauses, the congestion and windows of ramped up angst and fears. Here's what's interesting. Even the wealthy are concerned. A recent UBS report shows that wealthy people are afraid even as markets break to new highs. Again, I promise you, if you went back to 1982 when we broke to new highs after years of being mired in problems, I, I swear to you it's the same thing. I can remember it well. I cannot tell you how many times I had this conversation. And I'm going to quote here, Mike, you think I should buy equities for the future at all-time record highs. Really? It took seven years to just get back to where we were in 1974, Mike all the problems we have today, everywhere you look, and you think I should buy stocks when the Dow is at an all-time high of 1,100. It's never been here, Mike. Seriously, are you really believing? Don't you think this is awfully risky?" Unquote. My answer was, even though I was terrified myself when very smart people expressed those thoughts, here was my answer. Well, first, let's be clear. There's always risk, no matter the price or the level of stocks, unquote. But here's the bigger point you want to pay attention to. 78 million people, then called the baby boomers, are about to enter our economy, and they're going to change everything we know. So here's the part of the just-released data from UBS findings on wealthy investors. Get this. Historically, I'm quoting here, historically, individual investors defined risk as, how much volatility can I live with in my portfolio? That definition today has changed for many to the following, and I'm quoting again, how much money can I afford to lose permanently? Imagine that. Wall Street hype has now convinced us that corrective actions in the market equate to a permanent loss of capital. It goes on to state, quote, many of the wealthiest UBS clients are so scarred by losses from the financial crisis that they insist on having, get this, at least 25% of their holdings in cash, even when they feel confident about the economy. We've seen cash holdings higher than you would normally traditionally think since 2009 onward, and we don't think it's a temporary phenomenon. By the way that would mimic the very same data we've covered with you before in the latest sentiment figures from many channels and perspectives the point is simple here we are at all-time highs never before get that all-time highs and the mental scars of the last 10 to 15 years are still taking their piece of flesh I've always said this, the cost of a bear market act the, the let me go back. The cost of post bear market activity has always been more expensive than pre or actual bear market activity. It proves again why many years of data show the very same thing over and over again over all economic landscapes. The average investor only gets 30% of what the market delivers. Just today, think of this, Germany sold their first negative rate bonds. They sold negative rate bonds. Let me tell you what that means. Investors stood in line to bid for this guarantee. It is a guarantee if they hold the government debt from Germany For the 10-year period ahead when it becomes due, they are assured of getting less money back. Now, the offering size was $5.2 billion. So that means $5.2 billion, while markets are at all-time highs, chose instead to ensure they will have a loss 10 years from now. Let me tell you, folks, that kind of fear is something no one can find a past reference to. No one. So what's the latest data tell us? Look, in a summary, airline traffic is robust. Restaurant traffic is robust. Amazon Prime Day was 70% more than last year. And the consumer still sits on a mountain of cash. While I surely hope we can still get one more shakeout for the summer swoon, odds are increasing that we may have seen the summer panic already. The Brexit panic attack lasted all of two days. The S&P 500 fell 5.3% during Friday, June 24, and Monday, June 27. Since then, it took all that back and climbed to record new highs. Even fears of an Italian banking crisis haven't tripped up the bull, as did similar previous European crises. Heck, even George Soros himself has now been quoted as suggesting, and I'm quoting here, Brexit could be a good thing for Europe, unquote. I want to remind you that George Soros, the same guy, the morning of Brexit, was quoted as saying, again I quote, Brexit is the end of the world, unquote. There's still hope for the bears, I suppose. They can find some comfort in today's action. In Dow theory, remember Dow theory says the transportation index and the industrial index, that's the Dow Jones Industrial Average that everybody pays attention to, have to confirm new highs together. They haven't done so yet. They will, but they haven't. While investors remain deeply scarred from the 2008 collapse, this bullish movement is widening in its breadth. We are told often that it's an aging bull market. We're told it started in 2009, March to be exact. We don't agree. The definition of a new secular bull market is quote, when prices reach an all time new high. The first four years of rallying from 2009 was the recovery. It only reached an all time new high in late 2013 meaning it is very young. That being said, the bull, no matter its age, refuses to be pushed around by the bears. As Dr. Ed puts it, quote, he seems to have developed a thick skin from all the scars caused by previous panics and stumbles. His breadth has improved markedly since earlier this year when, again, the world was ending because you do remember that 2016 started off worse than any year in 80 years. You remember how terrified you were told to be. Look, the bottom line, look, it's still summer. The thickest part of the summer haze lies ahead, in the doldrums of August. I remember the pain of hitting the doldrums out on the ocean, the real doldrums, that's the windless territory of the ocean. In sailboat races we had when I was a kid, middle of nowhere, 50-foot boat, five crew members, hot as heck, can't see anything but water. Flat as glass, no wind. Then, too, we were in the middle of nowhere. We called it No Man's Land. Look, guys, like it or not, we must accept facts. There will always be another monster. When this one's been forgotten, it's sure to be replaced by something bigger, something worse, something that will hurt us more. But we almost, we also have to fight this fact and recognize That the U.S. economy is in a very rare position. In all this mess, one that's either massively overlooked or purely outright misunderstood. We've spent way too much time focusing on ways to eliminate the pain of another 08 and 09. There's lots of demand coming our way. The pendulum is swinging. It's been a long time but the data suggests the demand in our demographic barbell pipeline will set records on many economic fronts and for far longer than currently anticipated. So as we ended your last podcast, here's the deal. Get ready for plenty more to be afraid of. But you can pick, because while some are being afraid, there will be lots of opportunity along the way. Hope these thoughts have been helpful as always. Until we see you again on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.